Hello. Hello, everyone. Gotta take this off. Just one moment. Hope everyone's having a great evening. Alright, there we go. Hopefully it's back now. Hopefully it's back. Let me turn this music off. How's you guys Wednesday going? What's up, Pastor Edwin? Hey, Sandy. Hope you guys are having a great day. I am having a wonderful day. That's crazy. Today wasn't even the AMI day, but I came up with this little schedule for my kids, and man, it, it blessed my soul. Uh, had our best academic day yet on spring break. Hey man, bravo Jesus. God is God is good. God is good. When you just think about all the wonderful things that he's done in your life and over your life, then there's lots of reasons to give him praise. Good. Just saying glad everything's going well your way. Go ahead and share the video if you don't mind. Invite some people. And then we're going to get rolling um, in about three minutes. Hey, Leslie. How are you today? Uh, sorry. Uh, Leslie, I got your message. I'll definitely be doing that. Uh, so, yeah. So, it's Wednesday. Time for refreshed Bible study. I'm excited for the opportunity to share the word with you today. Uh, I've had the opportunity to talk to some people over the last couple of days, uh, and I got one call from a lady, and it, it was just crazy how overwhelmed some people are with what's currently happening. And so, with it, I wanted to take some time out today to talk about overcoming fear. Uh, and there's some really practical things that we can do to decrease the amount of fear that we have uh, that, that you may have in your life. And so that's what I want to talk about today. We're going to combine both the, the word, the all-powerful word uh, that has the ability to conquer all things, that has already conquered all things. And then we're going to talk about some really practical things that you can do in your life to minimize, diminish the way that fear impacts you. Uh, and so that that's the plan for tonight. And then we're going to end in prayer uh, tonight. We're gonna we're gonna pray a little bit. So uh, that that's those are our objectives tonight. If you have some paper, you probably want to have some paper. We're gonna go through some steps, and these are just steps I kind of as I was studying came up with and looked over. But by no means will it be all inclusive of everything that you can do to overcome fear. I mean, hear the Holy Ghost for yourself on what you need to do. But these are some things, common things that I feel like uh, people experience and cause fear in their life. And so that's what we're going to discuss. And about, I got about one minute. Yeah, about one minute. Cool, so what's up, say it. Hey Pastor Chris. Alright, so for the sake of time and be respectful of everybody's time, we're gonna go ahead and and get started. You can continue to tag people. Um if uh that would be great because at this point we want people to understand that regardless of what's going on in the economy, regardless of what's going on in the world, uh, Jesus is Lord and that he's already overcome this. Jesus, this isn't the first pandemic that Jesus ever experienced, that, that God, the Holy Spirit has ever experienced. This isn't the first financial downturn. It's not the first time uh, he's ever, uh, jobs have been lost and things like this. God isn't new to this. All right. He isn't new to this. And because God isn't new to this and we have the Holy Spirit living on inside of us, we don't have to be new to this either. 
the Holy Spirit will teach us how to navigate in these times, how to increase, how to stay safe, and how to maintain, even while everything else around us may be looking crazy. It is still your time to promote, be promoted. It is still your time to uh, to the harvest. It is still your time. God is so not new to this. And because the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, I'm not new to this. I have the perfect plan on how to navigate through this time now so that my family and everybody connected to me that comes out unscathed, it, everything comes out perfect as if I never, ever experienced it. That's what I'm talking about. And that's why I wore my Bravo Jesus because I'm already thanking God because it's already done on my behalf. I have no reason to fear because God's perfect love for me cast out all fear. Why should I be afraid? Because a God that created the heavens and the earth that put me in this earth because he loved me so much to have me here, will he now let me be overcome by something that's going on in the world? Lord forbid, he already has a plan for you. And so let's talk about it. Let's go ahead. Let's just get started. All right. So, uh, no, overcoming fear. Uh, and I'll be going back and forth because I forgot what time it was. Uh, I've been playing with my kids and doing stuff around the house. So uh, part of my notes are tight, part of them not, but we're going to go with it. So if you see me looking down, uh, I, I'm still paying attention to y'all. So step one, you got in order to overcome fear, number one, you got to see God for who he is. You must see God for who he is. I got to exchange my viewpoint for God's perspective. I got to see things the way that God sees things. Fear comes into our life because we do not see ourselves. We don't see God for who he really is. God is bigger than COVID-19. God is bigger than a financial downturn. God is bigger than job loss. God is bigger than lack. God is bigger than any ailment or any disease. But when we choose not to see God for the who he really is, then that's where fear enters our life. Because the moment you don't see God bigger than everything else, then that means everything else is bigger than God. That means that God can't overcome the virus. God can't overcome illness. God can't overcome bad money. God can't overcome bad situations. Why? Because you're not seeing God for who he is. And the example that God gave me was it was good to me. Y'all may say it's not, but it was real good to me. So this was the example God gave me. Um, so imagine uh, you're in a forest, um, but uh, I, I didn't grow up in Boy Scouts or anything, but imagine you're in a forest and you're in a forest with a green beret. They have trained, they have all the training in the world to be successful in a for or Navy SEAL. So you're, you know this person is a Navy SEAL. You know they got all the skills that's required to keep you safe while you're stranded in the forest. And while you're in that forest, where it would be a time where you'll be afraid because you have access to that Navy SEAL, the Green Beret, you're no longer afraid because you know they have the skills to keep you safe. So let's say that Green Berets, the Navy SEAL's name is John. John, the Navy SEAL, is with you. Y'all in the forest. Y'all chilling. He went and killed a rabbit. Y'all eating. You're not even afraid. Why? Because you got John, the Navy SEAL. But let's say Susie is stranded and John, the Navy SEAL, is there. But Susie doesn't know John, the Navy SEAL. She just knows there's a guy named John standing there. Susie is afraid. Susie is scared. Susie is all in her feelings because she thinks she's going to die. Now, if you notice, John the Navy SEAL is the same person in the first scenario and the second scenario. John didn't change. What was the only thing that changed? It was that person's knowledge and their relationship of who John was in their life. And that's how we do God. God ain't changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the problem is some of us know God in a personal relationship and we trust him enough to keep us safe while we're in the wilderness. But some of us, same God, don't spend enough time with him. Therefore, we don't have the ability. Well, we don't put our faith in him because we don't know him. 
But God doesn't change, just like John, the Navy SEAL, didn't change. Same person, two different situations, and the only difference was the first person trusted them because they knew him. That word know means to be intimate, to know the skills, to know who they're, what they're about, to know the interest that that person has for them. But in the second situation, Susie didn't know John. Though John had everything that she needed to be successful through the night in the wilderness, Susie didn't rely on John, but she stayed there in fear because she didn't access what she had. And so the same with God. We know who God is, but we don't know what happens when we call his name. We don't know what happens when the Holy Spirit has access to us. We don't We don't always seek him out for, for understanding. Why? Because we don't know him that way. So and when you don't know God that way, we don't spend time with him. It's hard to see him for who he really is. God is faithful. He will always be there for you. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. The faithful love of God never ends. He will always be there for you, even when you don't feel like he's there. He is there. He is always looking out for you. He did not put you in this earth without hope. He did not put you in this earth to cause you to be stranded. He did not put you in this earth to experience disaster. God put you here and he gave you himself through the Holy Spirit and through Jesus and Jesus allowed the Holy Spirit to get here so that you may have a life and that life more abundantly. But we got to see God for who he is and not for what we have made him out to be. God is all powerful and he uses that power for your good. Isaiah 40 and 29. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. See, God doesn't leave you stranded. When you see who God is, you will understand that I'm not powerless. I am not without hope and that I am not weak. He, had, he gives me the power so that I even when I am weak in my physical body, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will give me the energy to accomplish the will of God in this earth. So I am never without power. And part of us seeing God for who he is, we have to understand what he has done. God has done everything that he's going to do. He has given us power to speak to things so that we can change those things with the word of our confession. The same the way that the worlds were formed by the framed by the word of God, so shall things in this earth be framed by the words that we speak. And we'll talk about later how part of overcoming fear means watching your confession, watching the words that you speak about your life. So number one, we got to see who see God for who he is. God is not new to this. He has been here the entire time. And I think if, if we get the revelation of that, God is not new to this. He has been he, he has been here the entire time. Meaning that because God is here, because God sent Jesus and Jesus gave us access for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the Trinity were all there from the beginning of the earth. There's nothing that's currently occurring that I don't have access, insight to the secrets of God to know how I need to navigate this for my life. There's nothing. Because when I see God for who he is, I understand that he has already given me all the answers. Even if my job lays me off, he will give me the answers. He will teach me how to navigate the pathways of this earth to find the rivers of his blessings so that I can always have provision no matter what the economy looks like. Because when we see God for who he is, we see him bigger than a mortgage. We see him bigger than a cold. We see him bigger than all those things. Why? Because we know our God will supply all our need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He has seen it all and God is his people through it all from the beginning. You must see God for who he is, which is your protector, your keeper, your savior, your redeemer, your healer, your provider, and the Lord of all creations. There is nothing that God cannot do. 
And you should just tell yourself, there's nothing my God cannot do. And because there is nothing my God cannot do, and I have the indwelling of God in the form of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me, there's nothing I cannot do. So I, God, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. I don't have to fear because the Holy Spirit teaches me how to navigate these times. I thank you that right now in the name of Jesus, Father, that I, I, I give where he said give. I invest where he says invest. I take the job when he tells me to take the job and I quit working when he says quit working. God, I thank you that I, I only speak and I only do what I hear the Father says to do. And that's what Jesus did. That's how he lived a perfect life. Jesus said, I only spoke what I heard my Father speak. And when we only do that, we only do what the Father has us to do. We'll never find ourselves being burnt. Though it could be burning down around us, we will never be burned as long as we listen to the Holy Spirit. Because obedience brings you safety. Obedience brings you safety. All right, number two. We're going to go quick tonight. Uh, Number two, we got to eliminate wrong thinking. We must eliminate wrong thinking. So how do ideas about people of life influence your weary related habit? A lot of times we are in fear because of the things that we let in. We're in fear because of the things of our eye gate and our ear gate. We're in fear because we have chosen to believe the things that we see in the earth more than the things that we've read in the Bible. We chose to believe. See, believing is a choice. I have a choice to believe that the numbers will not flatten. I have a choice to believe that so many people will die. I have a choice to believe those things. But the other thing I have a choice to believe is that God is bigger than all of that and that God has the ability, God, and because I'm a child of God, I can speak to any virus and anything and we call that thing ashes and that it dies. I can say that, we can declare that though people may be impacted, we declare that death is null and void and that people live through this and that our economy is thriving and is prosperous. But Ralph, that's not what they're saying. The question is, what are you believing? Because what you hear said by the news is is facts, but the truth is that God has made us prosperous. What, What we see, the news say is that people are people will die and millions will suffer. But what I know about the Bible is this. What I know to be tried and true in my life is that there are many times when you read in the Word where God made things stop because he has the ability to do those things. So that's what we do. We confess what the Word says. So we eliminate wrong thinking. We do not qualify ourselves God qualifies us. So it's not anything that you're like, oh, I can say this because of this. God qualified you to speak on his behalf through the Holy Spirit. So let's read word. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. So why can I open my mouth and speak the word and expect it to happen? Because God qualified me to do that. Second Corinthians 3 and 5. Our qualification comes from God. So when we got saved again and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit came into our lives, God qualified us to speak on his behalf. We are like God is the reigning king and we are governors in the earth. God has given me the ability to to speak on his behalf in the earth because he's not ruling the earth anymore. We are, we have sent us to rule the earth. And it's not that I think I'm so great, it's because God has qualified me to do so. And I choose to believe the word enough to say that if God says this is how it should be, then I choose to believe that that's how it's gonna be. Not because I'm so great, but because my daddy qualified me. He gave me his stamp of approval to speak the word and see that it comes to pass in this earth. So I got to eliminate the wrong thinking that I can't do that. You can do that if you choose to believe it because God qualified you and you didn't qualify yourself. Another thing about eliminating wrong thinking, you have the capacity to accomplish everything. Y'all know I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And so many people have said that, heck, I got it tatted on my arm. You know, it's a very, very common uh, verse. But a lot of times, though it may be common, the application and the manifestation. Last week, we talked about three things. We talked about orchestration. We talked about revelation. And we talked about manifestation. God orchestrated it. 
God gave us the revelation in Philippians 4 and 13 that we can do all things through Christ. But the problem is we don't manifest a lot because there, the difference in manifesting, you got to contend. You got to believe that you have the ability through that, through Christ, the Holy Spirit, to achieve what he has for your life. And, and what he has for life is peace right now. Peace. Regardless of what's happening, I have a right to peace. I have a right to feel refreshed. I have a right to feel joyful. I have a right to not be stressed out while I'm at home with my kids. I have a right to 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 be, I mean, Lord, thank you. Lord, I, I claim I have a right not to be stressed out because what's happening is, and I don't care if you are extrovert or an introvert, it doesn't matter who you are. You have a right to access God's goodness and experience it regardless of what, if I'm an extrovert and I need to be around people, but I can't be around people, you telling me my father can't bring me joy even though I'm in my house, that the devil is a lie. That's wrong thinking. You don't require people to be happy because the Holy Spirit can can give you what you need even when you don't have what you think you need. Because a lot of times we think we need things to be happy, but in the end, God says, I'll come that you may have that life and have that life more abundantly. Abundant life comes from Christ, not people. Abundant life comes from Christ, not a job. Abundant life, because we talked, I think it was three weeks ago, I taught you the difference between a resource and a source. Abundant life comes from Christ, the source, not the resources we see in this earth. And, and because a lot of people are like, well, when I'm, I'm going to be depressed if I can't talk to people. Well, if that's what you shall have, what you say. And so we can't be fearful. Why? Because abundant life comes from Christ, not people. So eliminating wrong thinking. Do you believe that your circumstances are beyond God's power to help? How many times have we eliminated God's ability to even do for us because we did not believe that our circumstances could be covered by Christ? Say this, say there's nothing too big for God. There's nothing too big for God. Don't wear, and, and here's the scripture, and we'll, we'll hang out here for just a second. Philippians 4 and 6. Don't wear about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Philippians 4 and 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and praise him that it's done. And I'm going to read it out a different version. It says, don't worry about any, anything. Instead, pray about everything. Then you will experience, verse 7, God's peace. So here's the thing. When eliminating wrong thinking, first of all, there's nothing too big for God. There's no circumstance that God cannot take care of. There's no circumstance that God is not aware of. There's no circumstance that you, some, some, of, some of you are embarrassed to even ask God for help. I hear that, God. So, Holy Spirit, some of you are embarrassed to ask God for help. Do you not know that he already knows? And, and the moment that you ask him, he's willing to provide. But you are, you are so overcome with shame. I declare right now in the name of Jesus, we rebuke the spirit of shame. We declare that God's people walk uprightly, that they understand that they are the righteousness of God, not because of anything they have done, but because of who you are in this earth. We come against shame. We come against unforgiveness. We come against hurt. And we thank you that right now in the name of Jesus, that your people know who you are. We break those shackles of shame. We declare that those things are consumed by your love. And right now that anybody who is walking in shame. Father, we thank you that you envelop around them, that they feel the warmth of your love around about them, and that they ask that you come in and help them, and that you are more than willing to help them in their situation. And Father, we thank you for the freedom now that love brings in Jesus' name. You don't got to be shameful to ask God. God isn't concerned about that. God wants to help you. It was his ideal to, to, to help you. 
So don't worry about anything instead of pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank you that for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace. So right now in these times, Ralph, how do I get peace? How do I get to a point of shalom, a point of nothing missing, a point of nothing broken? How do I ask there? How do I get there? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank you that he's done. Praise gives you access to peace. Your praise gives you access to peace. Because when I begin to praise God, what I am doing in advance is confirming what I've just prayed for. God, I thank you that nobody in my family will be impacted in any way about by what's going on right now. Whether that's health-wise, whether that's financial, I don't care. God, I thank you that right now that it does not impact the Marlowe household. And God, I prayed about it. And God, I thank you right now that it's done. Bravo. Jesus that we are well. Bravo Jesus that our money grows. Bravo Jesus that I can sow into every good work and give to every good terrible donation. Bravo Jesus that we are well. Why? Because when I begin to praise verse 7 says, then I will experience God's peace which exceeds anything that we can understand. But Ralph, I don't understand why I should be praising God. My body's still hurting. But God, I praise you right now that, that my shoulders heal. God, I praise you that I don't have a headache. God, I praise you right now in the name of Jesus that I am whole and I am complete. There's nothing missing and nothing broken in my life. I declare that I live the abundant life that you promised me. I declare that all the days of my life I walk in overflow. There's nothing lacking in my life in any area. My marriage is blessed. My kids are blessed. I thank you that right now that my career is blessed. I thank you that everywhere I go, that I'm a light for you, God, and people know you because they know me. I thank you that your word comes out of me and it causes me to want to know why I live the life that I live and I'm able to share the gospel with them. Why? Because I praise God and praise brings me great peace, even when my, my earthly mind doesn't understand it. That's what verse 7 saying. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your, praise God, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. His peace will guard your hearts and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Pastor Chris says, praise is our confident declaration. Amen. I declare what God says. And it's not arrogance. It's just the fact that you got to be, you got to be convinced. I got to eliminate all. You like, sometimes I don't, I, I don't, I don't feel like it. So you don't got to feel like it. You just got to know it to be true. You, you know, that's fact. You don't feel like going to work, but you know it to be true. So you get up and go. Why? Because if you don't go, you don't get paid. And you don't feel like going. We do stuff all the time. You married, you done done a whole lot of stuff. You don't feel like doing. But you know what's true. So don't allow your feelings to cause you to miss out on blessings from God because you don't feel like it. Because nothing is too big for God. Nothing is too big for God. We're not going to go through all this, but check it out. I mean, in Jeremiah 32 and 17, it says, because I'm trying to give you scripture, because at the end of the day, I mean, what I say is great, but what God, I, you need to be able to confess what the word says. Oh Lord, God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arms. Nothing is too hard for you. Jeremiah 32 and 17. Genesis 18 and 14. Is anything too hard for God? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year and Sarah will have, shall have a son. So they was talking about, that was Abraham and Sarah, Sarah and no, they had, hadn't had any babies and they were old in age. And they had, and God says, is anything too hard for me? So what? Your bank account looks sad. So what that the creditor said that you can buy a house? So what that the job said you weren't qualified? So what that you got laid off? So what? Because is there anything too hard for God? 
Jeremiah 32 and 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for me? Jeremiah 32 and 27. Here's another one. Matthew 19 and 26. But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. When they got to the river, that that they didn't under they didn't quite know how they would get across the river, but what they trusted in was God, and God allowed them to cross the river on dry land. When Gideon was taking the men up to, to fight, and he and God told them to pursue the armies, and Gideon left with thousands of men, and God said, Oh, that's too many. And God said, Let's take some of them out. And so he was down to like 1,500 men, and he said, Any man that, that laps water from the uh the Laps water up like a dog, sent him home. And Gideon was left with 300 men. And he was facing an army that had thousands upon thousands of men. But Gideon didn't trust in himself. He didn't look at the 300 men because he knew that there was nothing impossible for God. So Gideon said that him and them 300 men, they, they went and they did everything that God asked them to do. And God made the impossible possible. Why? Because that's what he's used to. For, for, for humans... The impossible seems like this, this, this thing, like, like, woo, nobody's ever done that. God has. God has. Anything that you can imagine, God has already accomplished. He's looking for a man that will contend, that will go after the promise, that will not quit, that will not waver, that will be unshakable in his face, that will trust him enough to know that even though it's impossible with man, with God, all things are possible. Luke 1 and 37 confirms it again. For nothing will be impossible with God. And lastly, Job 42 and 2, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can ever be thwarted. There's no purpose of God that can ever be stopped. What's his purpose for me? To live a good life? What's his purpose for me? To live healthy and whole? What's his purpose for me? To be financially well off? What's his purpose for me? To give? What's his purpose for me? To spread the gospel? What's his purpose for me? To grow and become? What's his purpose for me? To be the most dope person on this earth? What's his purpose for me? What's his purpose for you? But you got to know who you are and who God has called you to be so that you can walk out. And the Bible says no plan of God can ever be thwarted. It can't be knocked off. It cannot be stopped. It cannot be yielded. God's plans will always come through. You should say, tell yourself, God's plans always come through. And he got good plans towards you. God says, I know the plans I have towards you, says the Lord. To, to prosper you, to give you hope. He says, I got an expected end for you. That's what the word says. So what we have to do, we have to rehearse the word and not the news. Say, so I have to rehearse the word and not the news. All right, number three, number three. So number one, we got to see God for who he is. We can't be looking at God through our own perspective. You know, the Lord is capable of backing his word. I love that. So the Lord is capable. I think Pastor Sean posted something the other day. She said, a word of God has the power to accomplish it in itself. So the moment that God said it, that word already had all the power it needed to, to already come through. The Lord is capable of backing up his word. The Lord is capable of backing up his word. And so you're like, like well, how do I know you're going to do it, God? And I mean, and I love, I love when Pastor uh, uh, teaches it, but, but he's like, he swore by himself because he looked around and everything that he looked to swear by that he, he, he made it himself. And so the Lord is like, I swear to God, I'll bless you. I swear to, I swear by myself, Leslie, I'll see you through. I swear by myself, Kathleen, you'll live your best life. I swear by myself. And if I fail, then I won't even exist anymore. 
That's how confident God is in his own ability to see it through. Because for God's word to, word to fail, that means he cannot exist because he swears by himself that he'll do it. And see, your perspective is you've had some people promise you stuff before and they didn't come through, but they're not God. You got to change your perspective. That word perspective means how you perceive things uh, as a person. It's your truth. It's your truth. And, and what you got to do, and, and that word perception means that it's interpreted through your five senses. So anything that you perceive, you perceive it through your five senses. And so already, anytime that we begin to get in the sensual life, we step outside of the spirit. So we have to maintain that, that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and we can't always be perceiving things because your perception and your opinion really isn't needed to accomplish the will of God for your life. What he needs is our obedience. That's what he needs. He needs us to listen to him. See, God sees things different. This was a good example. See, God sees things different. This, is, this will help explain why some of the adults are the way they are. God sees things different. Uh, I use my, my house, for, for example. In my house, uh, when a kid falls down, April will rush to that kid and see what that kid needs immediately. And what that kid does is then develops a mindset that, oh, I fell and hurt my knee. When I fall and hurt my knee, that must be something really, really urgent and really, really important and requires immediate attention. But when daddy, when they're around daddy and they fall and hurt their knee, daddy like, oh, get up, come on over here and walk over here. Let me see what's wrong. And so in their mind now, they develop this thing that, oh, if I fall on my knee, then it, it's not that big of a deal. Let me go see what, let me go over here to daddy. It doesn't require a lot of attention. What many of us have done is in life, when things bad happen, we always had somebody run in and rescue us. We always had somebody come in and do something. Or you didn't have anybody come in and do something. And what that has done is caused your perspective to be be skewed when it comes to God. Because God's perspective is different. You don't all what you feel like in this emergency and that God, you, you've been laboring and that you've been in there fasting and you've been doing all these things and it's been three hours and God ain't answered. God is like, walk on over here and get the answer for yourself. And you're like, but God, I need your immediate attention. I need you to come to me right now where I am. And God's like, I already gave you the answer. Get on up there, get the band-aid, put it on yourself, go play. Go be obedient. But because of our perspectives, we have this view of God and what he's supposed to do in our life based on what occurs. We got too many Christians and too many people who are those, who are those immediate need people. You don't have any Terry about yourself. You don't have any, any, any patience about yourself. The moment you, you do things for one day and it doesn't, and I'm talking to myself and it doesn't come through, then we feel like God failed us. God didn't fail us, but his perspective of that incident looks a whole lot different than your perspective perspective of that incident. Why? Because you always think that people are supposed to come in and rescue you immediately. But the thing is, you ain't been taught to tarry. You ain't been taught to pick yourself up and walk yourself over and take care of your own needs. You ain't been taught that sometimes you're going to be in pain and ain't nobody going to come to your rescue. Now, God's going to come to your rescue, but I'm just talking about what you ain't been taught. You've always relied on other people to drag you along, but sometimes it comes to the point where your faith, ain't nobody can fight this faith battle for you. You got to get in there and pray. You got to get in there and praise. You got to get in there and fast. You got to give in there and give. You got to get in there and be obedient. Those are all things you got to do for yourself. Your mama can't help you. Your big mama can't help you. Big brother and little sister, they can't help you. You got to do it for yourself. You got to do it for yourself. It is your job to be obedient. It is your job to hear God. It is your job to follow what he tells you. And when you do it, the Bible says that in my obedience, 
I'll be made to live in perfect peace. Why? Because obedience always brings you to the place of provision and provision never leaves you lacking. That's why God needs us to be obedient. And that's this next one. We might as well segue into it. Be obedient. You gotta be obedient. When we obey God, it always positions us in his provision. In our obedience, no adversary can conquer us. In our obedience, no adversary can conquer us. Obedience always guides me to safety. Say, my obedience always guides me to safety. That's why God is telling us, meditate on the word both day and night. Why, God? So you may make your way successful. Well, why do I need to study study to show yourself approved? A servant needs not be ashamed. Why? Because God is trying to get us to a place where we'll always rest in his provision and we'll always rest in his safety. So even now, if God tells you to stay home and don't go to the grocery store, you're like, but God, I need food. But be obedient. Always find yourself obeying God and you will not be in fear because you will always experience the provision that your father has for you. Your, my obedience always guides me to safety. I embrace being obedient. Obedience is not God taking anything from me, but it's only God trying to position me in a perfect place to receive everything that he has from me. I take great joy in being obedient. Even when my flesh doesn't want to be, I declare that I'll still be obedient because I understand that though my flesh may not like it, that my spirit rejoices in the completed works of God and that I am moving from being God orchestrating things for me, from God revealing things to me, to manifesting his goodness. And I refuse to be a person who sees his goodness, but I thank you, Lord, that my obedience allows me to eat from the Father's table. I get to eat the good things that God has for me. Why? Because my obedience guides me into safety and provision. Proverbs 29 and 25. It says, the fear of human, I like this one. I had never read this one. Uh, in, in this version. It says, I'm going to read it from the message first. The fear of human opinion disables. The fear of human opinion disables. Trusting in God protects you from that. The fear of human opinion disabled. Every time you put your own opinion in it, every time you believe in people more than you believe God, it disables. What does it disable? It disables the promises of God. Not that they don't exist. It disables your ability to access them because the only way you can access provision and safety is through obedience. But every time I take the opinion of man and I choose to believe man, even myself, over what God has said, I disable my access to the promises. The, but let me make it clear. My promises are still there. So the moment I choose to obey, then I'm back in alignment and I can achieve the advancement that God desires for me to have. But when I choose to obey my own opinion or the opinion of man, when they say I'm not good enough, I'm too black, I'm too ugly, I don't have enough experience. But when God has already told me it's mine, depending on who I choose, if I choose to Take the opinion of man into account. It disables. That's what the word says. That ain't me. That's what the word says. It says fearing people. This is in another translation. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord, Lord brings safety. In the contemporary English version, I like that version, don't fall into the trap of being a coward. Trust the Lord and you will be safe. Don't fall into the trap of being a coward. Trust in the Lord and you'll be safe. And then lastly, the God's word translation. This is one, uh, probably my favorite. A person's fear sets a trap for him, but one who trusts the Lord is safe. A person's fear sets a trap for him, but one who trusts the Lord is safe. So when I choose to be obedient to God, regardless of how I feel, then I have the ability to access manifestation. But when I allow fear to take hold of me, when I allow fear to, 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 to be my God, what I do, I set a trap for myself. What I do, I cause myself to not 
be able to, to manifest what God has for me. I set myself up. And if you think about a trap, if you ever watch any of those hunting shows, when you got animals going through the forest and somebody sets a trap, what that trap does is holds them in their spot. That trap prevents them from moving forward. So when I operate in fear, it prevents me from moving forward. It prevents me from progressing to the provision that God has for my life. So that's why I can't walk in fear. Look at Noah. Noah... Noah, Noah's like, look, I hear what y'all saying about I ain't never heard no rain. It ain't never done none of that. But Noah says, you know what? I ain't going to be messed up by the human opinion and I ain't going to disable my provision. Think about if Noah was saying, no, these people right. I ain't going to build this boat. We all know how that would have ended, right? See, it was obedience that saved Noah and his family. It was obedience that has Isaac alive. Isaac is alive right now. Why? Because his daddy was obedient. His daddy heard a word, but his daddy kept hearing, kept listening. And when he got to the top of the mountain and was sacrificing his son, it was his obedience that kept Isaac alive. I got to always be listening to God. It was obedience that caused David to defeat Goliath. You got to understand, it was obedience. God, I mean, you got to think about the story of David. David out there working. He ain't even looking to be anointed. David out there working. And, and when he came by to anoint the boys, he's like, do you not have any other sons? And he's like, well, I got this little kid back here in the back watching sheep. He was back there doing what his daddy had him to do. See, I hear that, Holy Ghost. Some of y'all are so busy trying to be seen that you're missing out on the things that God has for you. Baby, look, you don't got to be in the forefront to be blessed. People don't got to know your name for them to know your name. You don't got to be the CEO to be a millionaire. You don't got to be moving all over the United States to get what God has for you. You got to be obedient, though. You got to be obedient, though. That's what you got to do. But you're so busy trying to position yourself and be seen by people that you're being missed by God. Not that God is missing you, but you are missing God because you're positioning yourself in a place that you ain't been called to. God says, I will give you the double in what? Your land. I will cause you to increase where? In your land. Stay in your place even when it doesn't look as good as somebody else's. The grass ain't always greener on the other side. The grass ain't always greener on the other side. You got to understand that, see, that's going back to Proverbs 29 25. Your opinion of what it should be doesn't matter when God says do it this way. My opinion of where I should be, it's been a couple of times I thought about the job I was on now and I felt like, man, it's time for me to move and God said stay. Even though it didn't look like some of the things I had lined up in my life, God said stay. And then, and I, I'm amazed by how many times and where I am now simply because I stayed. I stay. And there are things that you're wanting to do that ain't God. And you just need to yell tonight, ashes. You need to write those things down on a sheet of paper. You need to light fire to them and say, ashes. Whatever my dream is, if it doesn't align with what God has for me, it is ashes now in the name of Jesus. I declare every door in my life closed. That doesn't line up with the word of God. My opinion will not set a trap for me not to experience God's provision in my life. I will not allow my opinion, my thoughts, my perspectives to set a trap for me to be stuck from experiencing the best that God has for my life. But I'll be like David. I'll be like Gideon. I'll be like, whatever you say, God, you want 300 men to kill tens of thousands of men? Okay, God, let's do this. I don't know how you're going to do it. It doesn't register with my earthly understanding. It doesn't register with, with what I know in my mind to be true when I think about numbers. But God, if you say it's possible, if you say it's possible, God, I trust you enough that I'll pursue. I trust you enough that I contend for the promise, which is step four. We got to contend for the promise. And we, we talked about contending last week. So I'm not going to go in a lot into that, but you got to contend for the promise. How do I contend for the promise? Ralph, what are some practical steps on how to contend for the promise? You got to confess the word. 
When you don't feel like it, you got to confess the word. When you don't want to, you got to confess the word. When your family is watching TV and God tells you to say, go read your Bible, you got to confess the word. When everybody else is eating burgers and drinking milkshakes, you got to fast if that's what the Lord has told you to do. You got to contend. That's what contend looks like. It looks like you doing what's required to get to where God has called you to do. So confess the word. Confession is not denying physical facts and temporary circumstances. It is declaring what God, who never changes, has said about the outcome. So confession is not denying that COVID-19 exists in the earth. Confession is not denying that the economy isn't that great right now, but it's declaring that God who never changes has said about the outcome. What's the outcome? We win. That's the outcome. So God, I thank you that right now in the name of Jesus, that regardless of what's going on, I win. Victory belongs to me and I experience it every day of my life. My kids experience it every day of their life and my children, children will experience victory every day of their lives. And I stand in faith until all temporary conditions line up with his eternal declaration. See, that's what I'm talking about. You can't be that kid to quit. I stand in faith until what God says become my reality. I stand in faith. That's what contending looks like. I stand in faith until what God has said becomes my reality. So that's confessing the word. You got to pray. You got to pray. You got to spend time talking to God. You got to spend time uh, hearing what he has to say about your life, hearing what he has to say about your marriage, hearing what he has to say about your kids, hearing what he has to say about your job, hearing what he has to say about your money. Some of us, we broke, not because it's God's intention, but we spend everything. We spend our seed, we spend our bread, and then we wonder why we hungry. You can't spend everything you make and expect to be uh, have surplus. It just don't work that way. There are some natural principles. It just doesn't work that way. If I make a dollar, I'll spend a dollar. I'm not going to have a dollar. Okay, that's practical. You don't even need word for that. But if you spend a dollar, you make a dollar, you spend a dollar, you don't have any dollars. And what I'm amazed by now is the number of people who lack self-restraint, and it's not always self-restraint. I remember times where every dollar I had, I had come in my house, then... Uh, it was spent for bills. So I'm not, I'm not criticizing anybody. But what I am saying is that a lot of times the Lord is saying, don't spend that right now. Hold on to that. You're like, but why God? I got a thousand dollars in the bank. I could spend this 500. And God's like, no, it's not the time to do that. And then we go spend those things. And then we wonder why sometimes we come up short. The Lord knows all and sees all. It's the Holy Spirit trying to prepare you for times. It, I mean, the Holy Spirit is always looking out for you. And when we truly believe that, then the things he asks us to do no longer become burdens. The Holy Spirit is always looking out for you. So we confess the word, we pray, we worship, we read the word. And then the one I'm going to spend time with before we pray is that we resist temptation. We resist temptation. So control, uh, contend for the promise, confess the word, pray, worship, read the word, and then we're going to uh, talk about resisting temptation. Sin gives the enemy access. Sin gives the enemy access. What's sin? Anytime I miss the mark, anytime I do something that the Father did not desire that I do. I mean, I ain't finna name a bunch of stuff. What's sin? Whenever I miss the mark. And what many times it has the ability to tr twist you up into feelings. And so what's though God has forgiven us and sin is a, uh, a mute point with God because Jesus came, right? But what sin does, it, it, it causes us to have feelings of unworthiness and doubt and God's desire to bless you. So sin doesn't stop God, but it stops us sometimes from believing that the God will still bless us because condemnation and shame comes into our life. Though this, though uh, it's not true, God loves you and nothing you will do will change it. Your perspective has the ability to prevent you from seeing yourself the way God sees you. Sin changes 
your perspective. Because when you begin to live in sin, you begin to see yourself distant from God. And when you see yourself distant from God, you don't see yourself as somebody that God is going to choose and bless and, and cause him to increase. That's not that God won't do it. It's your perception causing you're setting that trap. Your opinion of who you are sets a trap that holds you in place. So temptation, sin, and you're like, what? What? what is that? That Let's go back to spending the money. God says, "Don't you walk in Dillard's or Best Buy, and there is a $30,000 TV on sale for $500. And you're like, what a deal. You're like, man, I got to buy this. And the Holy Spirit says no. And you're like, but God, do you not see this TV is $30,000 and I can sell it and, and make a come up? But God says no. And so when we do that and we buy it anyway, what the enemy does, we buy the TV, we roll on, we sell it, we even make the money. And I, I can tell you about taking a job for money. I took a job one summer for money, uh, made more money than I ever had in my life that summer. And I can tell you right now, I can't account. It felt like I had whole Swiss cheese holes all in my pocket because I can't even account for that money. And it's been time I obeyed God and stayed in a job that made significantly less. And I can't tell you when I look back over the year how God had blessed that year and I was able to do so much more with so much less simply because I chose to be obedient. Because obedience always places you in God's provision. So going back, you got the TV and everything. And then the money just seemed like it just melts through. You don't even know what happens with it. But what happens is then the enemy talking about, I told you not to buy that TV. I told you that you shouldn't. Look at you talking about you're a child of God. I told you you shouldn't do that. And now you are competing with thoughts with the enemy trying to quantify or qualify yourself. Even though God has already qualified you, you're trying to justify why you should get from God when God has already justified you. You're trying to make yourself right when God has already called you and made you the righteous of God. Now you're contending with the enemy and you're trying to talk about all these things when you should have just obeyed in the first place. And you wouldn't have got trapped by your own self. That's the trap. So obedience, in our opinion, obedience keeps us from being trapped by our own opinions. It keeps us from wasting time. Now, the great thing about time, time is this. God don't respect time. So the moment we choose to obey, the moment you choose to understand, then he can accelerate all those things. And when you do feel, so if you do have sin in your life, you've done something, what you need to do is open your mouth. Every time you start to feel discouraged, every time you start to feel bad about the person that you did whatever with or whatever happened, you got to, you got to confess the word. You got to confess the word. So, um, so yeah. Oh, no, I forgot. What time is it? Oh, it's 9.23. Oh, cool. Number five. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, dad. Number four was... Contend for the promise. Number five is monitor your gateways. I got to talk about this one. Then we're going to pray. It's, it's brief anyway. What you allow to enter your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination, and your intellect can aid in birthing anxiety, worry, doubt, and thoughts of defeat. So take active steps to control your environment. You got to control your environment. Why? Because your environment is always working on you. You sitting up all day reading news. You sitting up all day listening to the radio. You sitting up all day. You got CNN alerts. You got BBC alerts, uh, British broadcasting. You got uh, everybody, log cabin alerts. You got Gazette alerts. You got all of this information flooding you all day long about how things are bad, how things are, are messed up. But what you got to do is monitor your gateways. Practical step number one, you don't need to know everything. You just need to know the word. Quit reading all that. There you go. A lot of you can eliminate fear because you quit reading all that. Quit, quit listening to all that. Yeah, there are some things you may need to know, but at the end of the day, you don't got to get 30 messages throughout the day about stats and all that. Monitor your gateways. Focus on what you allow to see and hear. Focus on what you allow yourself to see and hear. If you know that you like to smoke a little weed, then you don't need to be hanging out with people who smoke weed all day. Well, man, no, I ain't going to smoke. I'm trying to quit. 
you know, uh, I'm, 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 I'm seven hours clean. I ain't smoked nothing since midnight, man. You at IHOP eating breakfast. And after, after y'all eat breakfast, he, he go to the car and he smoke one. You're like, man, you want, you, no, man, I told you I'm clean. And then before you know it, it's Puff Puff Gill. Y'all passing. You, because you allow yourself to be in an environment where you know it's not conducive to you living your best life. So focus on what you're allowed to see in here. Latch on to God's promises. You got to establish safeguards in your life. You got to establish some safeguards. You And we, we already talked about God's promises, but you got to establish some safeguards. You got to take some practical steps to cut off common sources that birth fear and eliminate those sources. You got to identify the sources that cause you fear. Or if you don't know, ask the Holy Spirit and you got to be willing to cut them off. Even if that's people that you like, there are people that we like that we got to cut off. Why? Because they ain't the best for us. There are TV shows that we like that we got to cut off. Why? Because they don't cause us to have the best life. They don't cause our thinking to be right. Some of y'all married and you out here listening to your, your single friends on how you should treat your husband, but they don't got one or they don't have three already. Why? Because they don't know. Change your environment. And the other thing is, don't be so dang prideful that you can't reach out to help. Once you change your environment, put yourself in one that's good for you, that'll make you grow up and that'll make you become. You can't be always thinking that you're going to change and do better and uh, you don't ever change the people you're around. As your life changes, the people in it will change also. Not that you won't ever talk to all them other people or, or anything like that, but as your life changes, your people in it will also, your environment will change. And lastly, you got to expect victory. So when we're monitoring our gateways, we got to focus on what you allow yourself to see in here. You got to latch on to God's premises. You got to establish safeguards and you got to expect victory. God has promised to always take care of you and he will. God has promised to always take care of you and he will. Amen. So I, I pray that the word was blessed your life. And so what uh, what we're going to do real quick, we're going to pray and then we're going to end. Uh, so uh, but before we pray, uh, we just jumped into it today. Hey, if you don't have a church, Fellowship of Champions, we're teaching people to walk in love, live by faith and experience God's prosperity in every area of life. Right now, we're meeting on Facebook, Fellowship of Champions. You can search it, F-O-C-N-W-A, uh, on Facebook. And you will be able to join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. for a Sunday celebration worship. Uh, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. right now, we're doing corporate prayer. And then on Wednesdays, we have a refreshed Bible study. So feel free to join us uh, at any of those times. We would love to have you here. And so we're going to pray and we'll end. Father, I thank you that you are the supreme ruler over heaven and earth and that you are my Lord. I thank you that the realm of the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth in my life. I know that your plans, uh, your plan brings delight to your heart and provision for my life. You make known to me the secrets of your kingdom and your most intimate thoughts through the Holy Spirit. I am never without wisdom. Praise God. I am never without wisdom and understanding because you give it to me liberally, Father. I do not walk in fear, anxiety, worry, or carry any burden, but I put my trust in you. Your perfect love for me cast out all fear, anxiety, worry, and doubt. I declare that I am fully convinced of your love for me and that the Holy Spirit causes it to be shed abroad in my heart in abundance and that my mouth constantly speaks of your goodness. I understand that all the dimensions of your love towards me, I understand all the dimensions of your Lord towards your love towards me. Therefore, I live in perfect peace. You refresh my life because I am joined to you. I never run out, nor do I fret. I find great refreshment and peace in knowing that when I abide in you, you abide in me and no weapon, sickness, virus, ailment, financial difficulty, curse, marital issue, relationship problem, or anything else will ever conquer me. 
For you, the sovereign God, has already given me victory. If the enemy attacks like a flood, you will raise up a standard against him. You will quench all fiery darts. Even if everything around me tumbles, I will not lose faith in my God. I know that you are my redeemer. You're my protector. You're my peace. You're my healer. You're, you're my friend. And I will not lose faith. You will cause the storm to be still and see that I come out unscathed. You, Lord, are sovereign. You reign above heaven and earth. Father, there is nothing bigger than you. There is nothing that you have not already defeated. And because I live in you and you in me, there is nothing that I have not already defeated. Each day I live, I contend for the victory that you have already provided. I am victorious. I am refreshed and I am restful because I abide in Christ. Hallelujah. Because I abide in Christ. I am not anxious about anything. I do not stress, fret, or worry. I am not in fear. I choose to give God thanks and praise his holy name. In return, his perfect love surrounds me and casts out all fear. His peace envelops and brings an abundance of comfort. It exceeds all my earthly understanding and guards my thoughts and my emotions. Holy Spirit, speak to us so that we may focus on what is right and what deserves our focus and our attention. We focus on the fact that what God has said is honorable, what God has said is pure, and what God has said is commendable. His word fuels our faith. Our faith implores patience, and patience leaves us perfect, lacking nothing. Because we lack nothing, we are fully confident in all areas, and we do not stress fret or worry, regardless of what we observe with our natural senses. Regardless of what we observe with our natural senses, we will remain steadfast, immovable, and full of faith that God has it all in control and he will see us through. Amen. God will see us through. So I love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on Refresh Bible Study. Uh, if we can pray for you, uh, you can send me a message. Uh, you can go to Fellowship of Champions. There's several of our prayer people on here. Feel free to send us a prayer. We'll be praying over you. But we declare that your life is the better after hearing the, hearing the word. And we declare that you are whole and that you are complete and that the word fell on good ground and will bring forth great fruit in your life. Thank you so much and remain grateful and stay hungry. Stay hungry for the word.